I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots! Oh, boy. I'm so excited for this. This is episode 32 in the Top 40 Countdown, and it's one of my absolute favorite people. You already know him. You love him. It's Bobby Lee! Ah, uh, so... Some context for this. Uh, my podcast was brand new when he agreed to record this with me. We were on the road and I was opening for him featuring at the Schoenberg Improv. It was a lovely time. Uh, if you actually go back and listen to the original episode, there's a tiny chunk at the very beginning before the intro music where we tried to listen uh, through the microphone. We tried to record some precarious sounds that were coming out of a hotel room like a bunch of honestly childish teenagers we were just walking through the hall and heard it, and I turned on the microphone. But uh, bleh, we didn't get it. Alas, it's there if you want to go searching for it. But that is not the point of this. So my podcast was brand new. The um, Bad Friends podcast that he does with Santino had not even been thought of. And his podcast, Tiger Belly, was maybe like barely two years deep. So just... Back in the time of baby podcasting uh, with Bobby Lee. And it's so funny and we get so silly. I will always be so, so grateful to Bobby Lee for really just taking a noticing of me. That's not the way to say that. But he noticed me. He was the first big comic to really come up and say something to me. And it encouraged me and it made me keep going. You know, I think I would have probably kept going if he hadn't said it. It's not like other people were like, you suck. Uh Turns out uh, people don't say that if you're decent. But he went out of his way to come up and talk to me when he didn't have to. When I was a very, very new comedian going to the comedy store for the first time. He gave me my first road gigs. 
he's just always been a big champion of me and of upcoming comics and I love that he does that and I uh you know it's just a silly fun time and I love seeing where he's gone I mean he was already a fucking star when I interviewed him and you can hear in my voice that even though we're I consider him a good friend now and we it felt solid then but I think I definitely had a nervous like oh, I'm on the road with him I don't want to fuck this up he's cool he has a cool podcast and here I am bumbling around but uh we had some good laughs and he's just as delightful as you probably already know he is if you watch any of his stuff Ooh, excuse me, this is not a reflection of my excitement for the podcast. I'm just up at all hours of the night recording these. Anyways, I'm shutting the fuck up. This is episode 32 with, you know him, you love him, the incomparable Bobby Lee. <laughs> just started. Oh, oh, we started. All right. Okay, hi. Welcome hi. to Ignorance is Blessed. It's Bobby Lee is my guest. Hi, Bobby. Yay. Um, I'm so excited to be on your podcast. It's my favorite one. Dude, that's not. That's a lie. No, you it's not a lie. No, this is my favorite one. It goes this, then WTF, and then Fighter and the Stop. Kid. Aw, you're I'm too your sweet. biggest fan. I have all your albums. <laughs> all my one albums. He just stole the pile of the one album I, I did. After I was trying to huck it behind him while he was taking photos <laughs> of the Chicago <laughs> improv. You did a good job this weekend. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, you were a fallout, but... Um, Thank you. It was going to be Jade Catapretta, but she fell out. Take so. that, Jade. She fell out to but celebrate I, your um, birthday. But then I got you... Uh, got you. Look at, look at the security over here. They're going to they're gonna kick us out over here. They liked look me. these guys. The club liked me. So, um, I didn't even know you had a podcast. Yeah, I do. It's new. Um, it's uh, what's called Ignorance is Blessed. And what I do is I have guests on... Of either like certain identities or demographics or like, you know, uh-huh. vegans or whatever. I haven't had a vegan yet, but I totally So what won't. is the topic on this one? It's about being Asian. Why? Because you're an Asian American Not really. Man. Not really. You're yeah. in denial. So you, you, have, you have Asian questions? I have like, yeah, that's what I do is I ask like the most surface level. It's like dumb, ignorant questions. That's but, fine. But you just know, like, I don't really know much about being Asian, but... You can, can I just tell you, like, the you're question. the only person I've ever opened for or like just doing shows in general where there have been like a large amount of Asian people who come to shows. Why? Do you, you probably don't know that, but like I feel like Asian people don't come to that many comedy shows, but they come for you. Have you ever been to San Francisco? Well, no. Well, then there you go. You don't know where the demographic... I mean, if you go to Seattle or San Francisco... I've been or, to Seattle. And there's no Asians just at your feel shows? Like I've, been in, I've done shows in Chicago. Maybe you do, I've hillbilly, never you seen may do hillbilly shows. That ain't true. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you I know? just feel like there's like extra pride for you. They like come out extra. I was, I mean, you know, I went to Toronto once and there was no Asians and there's a lot of Asians there. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really feel like I have an Asian audience, but they do come out. But well, I have, have Mexicans like too. Yeah, you have. I mean, a lot of Mexicans and one black and a bunch of white people. same black guy who's just following around the country at every yeah. show. He's like. No, a- I, it depends <laughs> on where I'm at. Um, some African-Americans. Yeah. Show up, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just like, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you it's already starting uncomfortable, huh? It's w- it's a, that's what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. But just know that it's all on me because I'm dumb. I know. Um, no, you're not. Yeah, I mean. You need better self-esteem. No, that's not what this is about, man. No, but can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, okay. Do people know how you were abandoned? I don't, maybe. I don't talk about it on my podcast. You've, no one knows that you were abandoned. I think my dad might. I know, but no one <laughs> listening to your podcast. I was abandoned, you guys. Yeah, she was at a Waffle House. And my dad abandoned me. When you were eight years old? Yeah. And he just left you there. He just left. He left you there. Yeah, don't, don't turn this on me, No, Bobby. just listen. Let me just ask some questions. Uh, 
And then what did you do? Let me ask you this. What do you do when you're eight and your your dad leaves you at a Waffle House? Do you order pancakes and stuff? or You just sit there and think he's going to come back. And then eventually somebody offers you a ride home and you are confused. Oh, no. And then when you went home and then what happened? Uh, And then... uh, no one was home. And Your then, mom wasn't uh, home. No, I think she must have been out with like my brother. That's a soccer thing or something. Yeah. Nobody mentioned it. I posted about it. Like I did a whole blog about it last year on Father's Day. Yeah. And my mom like sent me like a slew of texts and was like, I didn't know that happened. I don't remember that. I, w- I must have been here or there. And I mean, I mean, the whole thing was I also sort of like said some maybe negative things about her and she's like i didn't mean to do a bad job <laughs> could have been that you were eating with your dad at the waffle house and you just walked home no and that I, <laughs> that I, the truth is i abandoned my dad yeah just could it be the reverse the situation? Like, yeah she uh probably not that's sad and then so did you see your dad after that or no yeah he came back like a couple days later and then like six months later he like left in the middle of the night and then the next time i saw him was like six months after that he showed back up to like visit us and like he had a new Woman. Soon to be wife, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, he brought us. He's like, he picked us up without this woman, and then brought me and my brothers to a Denny's. So my dad is just this like weird shitty diner bandit man. <laughs> yeah. And then like he's like, this is Marion, my new girlfriend. And yeah. Then, but and even when you have like, even when you have like parents that are supposedly, I used to get beat all the time. I had a dark childhood. Yeah. So yeah, I, used, I used to get beat by my dad with golf clubs, and my mom used to hit me in the face. God, is that an Asian thing? What? <laughs> Getting beat? He hitting your kids? Is that popular I in... I, I mean, I don't know if it's... Or is this an old school thing? It's not thing? a fad. Well, no, I know it's not a fad. It's not a cultural like thing, but I think that, you know, it happened, and, I, and my dad was an alcoholic, and, you know, I used to beat my brother and I and punch my mom and crazy stuff, uh-huh. but this is t- growing up, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, it's, well, the funny thing is, too, for me, and I don't know if you experienced this, was that, like, I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, that's what, it, that was just, like, life, and then you repeat it to someone who hasn't experienced that, and they're like, oh, my God, what, you must be so fucked up, and you're like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't but, think so. But those people, they're a little weird, aren't they? Well, yeah. They don't really, they don't, they, they don't have crazy stories. Well, no, it's like, yeah, I you like had a good childhood, but you don't have stories. Yeah, they don't have stories. You have love in your heart, but you have stories? Because I went to rehab when I was 15. What? Yeah, so already my life was like, the, oh, there's, there's a lot of stories happening here. You are already like just full, what, drinking drugs? Yeah, meth and drinking and all kinds meth. of stuff. Yeah, and then... Um, You're like the joke that people make. They're like, as long as we don't see like a homeless Asian guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's why when you say you have a slew of, the, sl- slew of Asian questions, to me, it's like I didn't have an Asian life. An Asian life. But I mean, I had Asian parents that ate Asian food, <laughs> and they sounded Asian. And pretty much all it takes. And then you watch TV, and you go, oh, there's us doing karate. <laughs> or, or like that's us, you know what I mean? Oh Wait, my God, we're lawyers and TV just shows and sat stuff. sat around watching karate videos? I mean, that's all you would see us in. Or like we Do you were, watch a lot of like... We wore kimonos. You imagine the seventies when you watch turn the TV when on and, and like Asians in TV. Yeah, there then. wasn't it's there like wasn't like the Asianiest Asian. We didn't like have um, Stephen Par- uh, Yoon yet from Walking no. Dead. We was had there nobody? Was there uh, Korean dramas on TV? No, no. So it's just like every once in a while you saw like George Takei, and then you're like he was the no. I mean, think of it this way. That was the only him. Asian. There was a guy on Barney Miller who was also Asian. Yeah. We had Pat Morita that did like a year on Happy Days. And then, um, oh. I mean, you had Connie Chung, but that was in the 80s. She was a newscaster or whatever. So yeah. 
We didn't really have much. Did you notice that when you were a kid? Were yeah. Because like, oh, you grew up, what, San Diego? Or yeah, I lived in San Diego, and then I lived in um, Minnesota for about a decade How's as a kid. And it, sorry, go ahead. That's where I was molested. Minnesota or San Diego? It's really weird for you to say that's where I was molested, and then basically have a blowjob to your vape in front of you. Like <laughs> I was molested in uh, Minnesota. Yeah? Was it by a Viking? It was by a guy with Down syndrome. Oh, he did his best, you know? We did what? You're not the only person I've heard that's been molested by a mentally challenged person. Yeah. It makes me sad for well, you, but also that person was probably molested. And it's like this, like they like don't know that they're doing. Yeah, he was really good, though. Yeah? Did you come? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I came and everything. Uh, was there big uh, Asian populations in San Diego or Minnesota? No, I mean, not where I grew up. I um, It was maybe five in my class in high school. And then um, in Minnesota, none. None? So no. it was like noticeable. You were like, oh, I'm... I'm yeah, I mean, you're, you did know, you think you, about it? I don't know. You, there's more. There's other things. It's, it's survival in general. Like it's yeah. like I don't you know friends. Who am I going to be friends with? And um, but I was always kind of a degenerate, you know. Yeah? yeah. When did you first start getting like really into trouble? Young. I mean, like little, little. Why well, you? Well, I mean, I always got all like D's and C's on my report card. Yeah. And that in itself, with like traditional Korean parents, was uh, unacceptable. Unacceptable. Did you play violin or piano? I played some <laughs> piano, but um, like I used to have this uh, um, piano teacher that would like if you fucked up on a note, she would slam the lid of the piano <gasps> on your fingers. How does she expect you to German get better lady. with the Oh, that's so. I'm German, but, and that's yeah, the most German thing I've ever heard. That's and then my parents thought, yeah, that's that's who. That's what he needs. He, he needs, yeah. But it's like no. I mean, I. You know, some kids, they go through that, and they, you know, they do what their parents say, and they comply or whatever and they come out hypothetically a well-rounded person yeah some no outside. like most of them like all my cousins they all went to ivy league schools they all got straight a's they all had regular jobs but are they happy but my brother and i we were treated like that and we rebelled rebelled and i don't know why you know yeah well probably just made your parents more angry too like well i mean it got, by the time i was 17 i was in three rehabs so they're like so they're like he's broken I mean, they always like th- it was almost as if they did something wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People take that personally sometimes. Yeah. I think that's uh, I'm not going to regurgitate information I'm learning from a childhood emotional neglect book. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, no, it's weird how parents can, like, take that as, like, a personal reflection. Where it's, like, arguably, yeah, something went wrong. But also, like, sometimes kids are just like that. And it's, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think just the mixing of my the genes with my mom and my dad just made two fucked up korean kids yeah you think that there's like maybe a what's that called like a recessive gene that if it combines with something else it makes you like a rebel i don't know about that but uh it's interesting that you and your brother well my brother was good my brother was good my brother was a christian and so like he was but like psychotically like he would like take like die hard like pages from the bible and like paste it on his wall Oh, like that's so creepy. Like Kevin Spacey in like um, seven. Oh, like, ha- you know, like the ne- neon cr- cross sign. Yeah. And his, yeah. He was like he would outline things. And then um, then his senior year, he just started smoking pot for some reason. Oh, wow. And then that's when when he went to college is when he became crazy. Is he younger than you? Yeah. So he took a little bit longer to come out of his shell. But then yeah, but then he was because I got sober when I was 17. So. 
when he started going crazy, I was already sober. Were you completely sober from 17 on? No, I was sober from 17 to 29. When did you get into comedy? When I was 23. Oh, man. So, um, and then my brother lived in my, I, I had a, um, an apartment in Silver Lake. Oh, yeah. Back in the late 90s. Okay. And he moved into my closet. <laughs> he did. That's such a, like, L.A. story. And then he really, ha- I've, I've gotten up jobs before. Yeah. And he gets fired. Does he, has he burned some bridges? No, I mean, I, I got him a job at the Improv in Phoenix, and he oh, got okay. fired after a week. Before, really? like, yelling at a waitress. And then he, <laughs> he got a job at Amoeba Records in L.A. Wow. Like, and then he got fired for sexual harassment. And then I got him a job at Sushi Dan's on Sunset. Oh, no. He, and he yeah. got fired from a sushi yeah, restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, told the sushi chef to go fuck himself after like Jesus. two days. So my brother can't really get a job. So he's a little uh, authority angry. He's hilarious. Oh, I'm you sure. You don't know Steven? I, yeah, I mean, you know what? I met him a long time ago. Yeah. Just like once very briefly. Very funny. Steven's the best. That's amazing. So now. Do you um, think you influenced him? No, we just have crazy parents that made crazy kids. Yeah. But my brother now is in a band and he's doing good. Yeah, what kind of music? I don't know really. Violin? No. Why do you say that? I don't know. It's a rock band. Yeah, it'd be cool if there's a violin in a rock band. Wouldn't I know, it? but it's he's a singer. Oh, yeah. that's awesome! I love. It's to got sing. Money Mark in it. He's from yeah. He wrote like the Beastie Boy. Oh yeah, A couple yeah, yeah. albums and yeah. He's a guitarist and uh, David Cho, the artist, is a drummer. David Cho. Yeah, you know is David Cho. Al- is he also Korean? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's like you know his story, right? No. Da- my friend David was a uh, street artist. Oh, and wait. And then he, um, he worked for Vice, too, for a long time. Okay. But he also, um, Mark Zuckerberg asked him to paint, like, the corporate offices of Facebook. <gasps> oh. And he got stock from that. Really? Yeah, and it, the stock was worth $250 million. Oh, so he's, like, set. He's set for life, yeah. So he's just like, let me do the thing I'm passionate about and not So then he, made, he started a band, and he asked my brother to be the lead singer. That's amazing. But my brother's really talented in that way. Um, but he has a job. That's great. Yeah, yeah. He found a thing. Yeah. Um, why is your why are bare feet? Because I'm a creep. Mm. I'm a why do you have such a low self esteem? What happened to you? A lot. I don't know. Tell it's, me. I, it's what didn't happen. You know, nobody acknowledged me. They uh, didn't. No, I raised myself. And I had I had a mom who was mentally ill, so she yeah s- sometimes wasn't very nice to me. Uh, but it's amazing that you didn't become like um, Arlene Warnos. Yeah, I was here for Halloween though, because I was like, I get it, you know. Yeah, you could, you, you really, you get killing people and stuff. I mean, no. <laughs> but sometimes I teeter on like, am I gonna like slip into schizophrenia or like dissociative identity disorder to check out? I don't know. But I think you think, I, you, think you have that in capability. I don't know. They say that that happens when you're like trying to shut out trauma. I think I like dive into my trauma too much for that to happen. Yeah. Is that you I have like crazy white eyes? That's what it is. Crazy white eyes. White. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I look mean, in your eyes. I go, oh, is she okay? It's just, <laughs> I'm, n- I'm not. You're not okay? Never. Oh. But I will be. Have you ever Probably physically not. assaulted anybody? Uh, yeah. You have? Why? Yeah. For, because I, because people are mean. Have I physically assaulted yeah, someone yeah. or have I been physically have you? assaulted? Oh, uh, I've defended myself in a fight, but I've never, once I like pulled a girl's hair, but like, yeah. and once a kid told me that girls couldn't play soccer, so I punched him in the face, but that was like third grade, you know? That was third grade, yeah. Uh, but as an adult, you've never been in a physical altercation? No, I don't think so. No, once, I mean, I had an abusive boyfriend that I like locked myself in the bathroom running away from, but that was, that was it? not really a physical assault. It was just me hiding and crying. It was a heartbreaker. 
Huh? You're a heartbreaker. I'm not a heartbreaker. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. What happened to I'm what's a, his name? I, with all the what's his names? No, that guy. Yeah, that guy? Yeah, uh, why can't you name his name? Which guy? You know who I'm talking about. Why can't you name his name? I forgot for a second. You don't remember who you don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> I have good intentions in relationships, and then what I've done in the past Brendan. is that I have... Uh, Brenton. He's um, he's amazing. It yeah. just didn't work out. Yeah, you but know? you broke his heart, Brenton. I didn't mean to. I didn't you, go but like... But you did. But I wasn't like, fuck you, I'm leaving. It how, was did just like, how did you break up with him? I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Why? Why are we? Why is this turning into therapy for me? It's not therapy. I'm asking you a question. No, I uh, because here's what I realized: I have a pattern in relationships, uh, that like, and, and part of it's like relationships run their course, and and you know they just don't all last forever. But also like, I realized that I hit a point in relationships where uh, I realized that that person cares about me and I care for them, and then I uh, shut down because. Is that every relationship? It's emotionally safer. To every just relationship shut down. you're like that. Yeah, I think so far, but uh-huh. I have also done a lot of like the re- I'm in a relationship now and I've done a lot of work on my own and I feel very like it sounds so corny, but this is the I feel very different about this relationship. And I I've never said that about other relationships. I've just been like, well, we'll see. OK, how um, long has it been in this new one? Not long, like three months. Yeah, it's not. You're going to break his heart. No, I'm not. I feel <laughs> you know what? You're going to break his heart. Is uh, you know what's oh, different no. about this is what? that I feel uh, it's calm like the other like quote love that i've experienced in other relationships was yeah. this like high intensity like anxious like like a roller coaster of like oh what's gonna happen what's gonna happen and like the person i'm with now i just like we just had a moment where we connected and it's just been like relaxed like i'm not i'm not like worried about it right so you know what'll probably happen is that he'll break my heart but let's make enough about me let's talk about no Asia. but <laughs> I, I know I, I understand it's about me i understand it's about me but I need to ask questions about you before I get to me. Yeah. Or I, can, I just have a couple more. Oh. But are you still friends with Brenton? Yeah, we're, we're friends. Yeah. We're cordial. He was sad for out. like a year though, huh? Was he? I think he was sad for a little while. No, for a while. No, I could he say uh, I, he was t- destroyed. Shut up. He had a girlfriend what? within like seven, yeah. like seven or eight months later. Yeah, but he was still destroyed. It was I really mean, sad to look at. I mean, you he, crushed him. <laughs> he also wasn't very emotionally open, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know much about the. That's why I don't know much about the relationship. So you can't even fucking even listen to me right now. Yeah, I know. You're just saying things. I know. Because you are mean. You think I'm mean? <laughs> no. Yeah. Stop you think I'm mean? Tonguing your vape in front of me. It's creepy. Uh, so you're in a new relationship. Everything's fine. Everything you're getting great. funny on stage. I think I've gotten better. You're getting good on stage, you know. And I then think I did a good you job. and Dana Moon are good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Dana Moon's good. I think there was a fallout, falling was out, no but fallout. I'm not going to get, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. No, there I will is, get to the bottom of no it. There's no fallout. Don't look at your fucking phone with your fucking stupid Asian questions. Ask me I an Asian know, question. It just, the phone just says bing bong, bing bing. Yeah, you no, know, give me an Asian question. No, uh, how often, uh, I, I feel like people know you now, but like, did, have you experienced like in your life, a lot of people calling you the wrong Asian? Like being like, you're Japanese, right? I think in the, um... 80s and a little bit of the 90s, yeah. yeah. But as soon as the internet hit, I think that you find People less learn. of that. Yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, it's like, what is a white dude going to say to me that's going to break my heart? Ugh, white dudes. I mean, they, right. they, they, even if like, I mean, I one time I was dating this girl, Sarah, and I was in Hawaii. Ooh. And Sarah was a tall, she's almost 5'10", 5'11", blonde girl. Dang. And I was holding hands with her on the beach. Oh, no. And these four white guys walked past me. Like, they're, like, from Ohio or something. Oh, uh, bros. And they say out loud, that guy paid for her. Like, they couldn't believe 
And then even with my girlfriend now, like if I was in Arizona once, I was walking by a American uh, Bank of America. And there was a guy yeah. on his ATM, and he saw my girlfriend, and he looked at me, and he was visibly angry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because some some white dudes live in the past. Or they think. Right, that, that they should conquer all pussy. Ugh. But like me, and the, the ethnics that I know, we, we conquer too. Yeah, well, we conquer uh, now. Yeah? Yeah. You also and get we're like, never going to allow them to dictate how we feel about ourselves or what we do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. They're so powerful. Yeah. Do you think I will no longer allow it. You also get like super hot chicks. Yeah, that's another thing is that I'm a fat, ugly, old <laughs> Asian guy. I didn't say that. Who's a little greasy, that. but still, I don't a let little. people. That's funny. <laughs> you can make fun of me. That's fine. <laughs> you just but I don't allow me. people like you. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't you allow like people me? like you, all right, dictate how I should fucking live my life. Okay. Right. You date all those hot girls. It doesn't even or matter, dude. Just love. check it out, dude. Check it out, lady. All right, check it out, lady. I just do what I do, and that's it. Okay. This is so Asian guy trying to be tough. Or, I'm what, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that you, means. You, you know what? I you probably didn't even know. You grew up in Alaska, right? Yeah. I bet you, you didn't have one Eskimo friend. Yeah, I did. No, and it frustrates me to no end when people go like, actually, it's Inuit because those are two different things. When people go like, don't say Eskimo, it's rude. It's like, no, that's a thing. Well, wait, there's a difference between Inuit and Eskimo? Yeah, they're different tribes. Yeah, but they're both the same. Yeah, okay. They're Thanks, brown Chinese snow people. Guy. They're brown snow people. You're, you're, uh, I don't understand how when people say yellow, I don't understand that. Why? Because like, I don't think Asian people look yellow, but I was like, you're a yellow you, Eastern. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's a yellow hue a little bit. I think maybe I yeah, just you grew do up too, with though. an alcoholic mother, so I was like, and they just all look the oh, same as alco- my mom. All right. The jaundice. Yeah. She fits in in Asia because she's just jaundiced. I can't. Bu- I really don't think that's a, uh, that's. I guess I don't see color. Um, when you were in Korea, did you feel good about it? What about being in Korea? Yeah, did you have fun? I had fun. It was cool. I I like experiencing new things. I think travel is important. It, it broadens people's horizons. And uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like literally, but also like yeah. I think it's uh, it's harder to remain ignorant if you go new places. Yeah. I think it's important. I think if a lot of people just got out of their bumfuck trailer park towns and like saw other people and saw that this person that looks different than them is also a human and normal, they'd feel less like scared. Yeah, it's like that thing like, you know, when uh, Trump was saying like, no Muslims are allowed, to, you know, it's like, oh, that's fine and great and dandy, but <laughs> I know so many Muslim dudes yeah, like, and girls and they're all Muslim. like so cool and stuff. It's like, I can't, like, I just know them, yeah. you know? And it's like, if you... If you talk to a lot of these people that believe in that, they don't ha- know They've anybody. They've never met anyone. They've never I mean, met anybody, and they don't know what they're like. And they, they live in these small towns. And let me so, say something else, all right? If, if a Republican shows me that electoral, electoral map again where all the red in the middle, right, and the little tiny blues on the sides, like, we rule the country because look at the red, right? It's like you're all There's idiots. nothing in that red. It's all desert. Yeah. Okay? It's like far. Uh, California has the sixth biggest economy in the world. Really? Yeah. I didn't know All that. All right? Montana does not. What? Nothing against Montana. I love Montana. I love what they're all about. But, but it's I'm like, just saying, when you go, it's just these coasts. <sighs> it's like, yeah, that's where all the people are, though. Yeah. It's like, you know, they just put all the votes in one pot, and let's just see what happens. Yeah. No, I mean. But they're not going to do it that way. I've hated the Electoral College forever. I've I don't even get it till this day. I, if people try to explain it to me. I no, don't even understand I remember it. learning about it in, like, fifth or sixth grade and being like, 
That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, that's a scam, and this isn't a democracy. And then people be like, it's not. It's a republic. Like, you're, they're like, don't you know it's a republic? It's like, yeah, well, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Give me another Asian question that them, you have. Uh, in these Asian questions. Okay, so I'm, you, said that <laughs> you said when you were growing up you saw, like, um, you know, not that many Asians on TV. When you, um, when you first started getting into Hollywood and acting, did you feel like there weren't, like, a lot of, like, parts for you? Or... Well, for me, I didn't feel it really, but but then again, what do I know? I mean, I I mean, I I started comedy in '95. Okay. And then 2001, I was on. I did Jay Leno. Okay. So in six years, I did the Tonight Show, and then so that's when pressure. I got Matt TV too. Okay. So after about five or six years of doing comedy. I started making a living, you know. Yeah, and so you good sort of one. So it's like that's not surpass. It's just that I. Well, you missed the part of like, not missed, but like you got to a point quick enough where it wasn't like as much like. I don't know, grinding out on auditions and stuff. Maybe well, where it's I like mean, when I first got on Mad TV, the main question was, "What do we do with him?" Oh, I mean, yeah. that was the main thing. It's like, what do we do with him? And so the first couple of years of Mad. I wasn't on it that much. I mean, they kept me around contractually. Yeah. And I was there, but I wasn't on a lot. Did you, you know? feel like there were parts like you could have done, but for some reason they couldn't see you in them because you're Asian? Still to, that, to, 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 still to this day, there were things that I know that I could have done that I wasn't able to do. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, I stayed on that show for eight years, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I survived it. Yeah, I survived. I survived. But, you know, people don't understand how difficult it was because I was like that. And we had Stephen Park who was on In Living Color, but he did a couple years. But I did eight years on an American sketch show. And it was like, whatever. It was hard, but I did it. And, you know, now I'm doing other things, you know. You're doing so many other things. Barely, but, you know. I feel like that's good. Why do you keep looking at the notes? It's really unprofessional. Um, No one can see me looking at the notes, I understand that, but you know what? Turn Turn the phone away. I want you to grow. No, because no, I no. I'll tell you why. No, I know. I, you're not gonna look at that again, because you could. You, we gotta. Te- we're gonna learn how to do it. No, this podcast has a format, Bobby. It's not just chitter chatter, interesting things. This oh. isn't podcast. This isn't an interesting podcast. Okay, what is it this again? Is a you have a structure podcast then. where I ask racist questions. To oh, you people. do. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. No, I. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, I Don't sort be of lost. Not. Wait, so fine. you never like experience like going to an audition? You're just like standing in a room full of other Asian guys. And they're like, I, did, I did in the be? beginning. In the beginning was like. <laughs> when did Kim Jong show up? A couple <laughs> years after me. But I um, I would used to go to auditions where people were wearing like kung fu outfits and ninja oh, suits. God. And I'd go in and they go, you don't know martial arts? I go, no. And they're like, well, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. You go, brought my me agent, here. My agent submitted me because they didn't know. But that was it. So it's like, yeah, Asians were only getting, like, Kung Fu Ninja parts? Oh, yeah. So I just kind of basically told um, I had a Korean agent. I still have him. You do? He's my, he's my commercial agent. Oh. Is he and looking for white women to be clients? I'm kidding. I told him, I go, dude, just submit me for, like, white commercials. Good for you. And he goes, so he goes, he tried, the first one he tried was a Maxwell House commercial. <laughs> and this is the premise. A white man, they said, the description was 40 to 50 years old <laughs> and Brad Pittish, like chiseled, <laughs> right? But like a beard. This is so funny. And he walks outside a log cabin 
and he drinks his Maxwell House coffee on this log cabin with That's an it. axe. You're just there right? being beautiful. So now I show up to the audition <laughs> and there's like 80 to 100 white dudes. Hot white dudes. Yeah, wearing like lumberjack. And, and you're uh, in a ninja outfit. <laughs> no, I was, in, I was just regular I dress. <laughs> and I went in and I got it. You got it? Yep. Because they were like, something about this guy's different. No, I, I, I just don't let that. Did why would I let that? Let's, of course. Because the thing is, is that if it's a non-speaking part, which is what it was, it's just like a guy. It there's no dialogue. Need to be, yeah. So in those auditions, to break it up, they don't just go walk around. They ask you questions. Yeah. How was Halloween? Any audition where they're going to ask me a question, I'm going to get it. Because you're interesting. And no, funny. because I'm going to be funny. Yeah. I'm going to make everyone laugh. Yeah. And so, and then I booked a lot of ones like that where it was just like all white or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I heard that they did that with uh, Whoopi Goldberg in, the, in one of her movies was supposed to be like a white man. And then yeah, what happens is this: is that a lot of times they can't when they see, see the monotony, when they see the monotony of just white guy, white guy, white guy, and then another guy, especially in the late '90s when this happened, like when I did commercials, there was like no, uh, there was six Asian guys. Yeah. And they, and half of them didn't even speak English, <laughs> right? So it's like I already can beat half of them out. And also, I'm a comedian. So I- anything that's funny, it's gonna I'm going to have out. a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just feel like after a day of looking at the same people, just seeing someone who looks different is like refreshing because you're like, oh, okay, I'm awake. Also, I tell young guys, I go, you know, as a comedian, you know what your muscles are. Yeah. Right? Your strengths. Yeah. Okay. Me, I'm not political. You know, I'm not that observational. But in terms of, like, facial expressions, mugging, old school techniques like that, I know what kind of mugs gets laughs and not. Yeah. So it's like, if it's a commercial where a guy's running down the street and you're on a fucking park bench, right? And you have to, a guy runs past you naked. <laughs> and then they go, just do an expression, right? Oh, you're going to nail you, it. Well, not, they know it. I just know that I know what I can do in that situation. And I know that what I can do is strong. Yeah. And I own up to those things. But it's like, that's why when I see comics go, yeah, I had a callback for this commercial, but this other guy got it. I go, you could have got it, but you just don't know your strengths. Oh, wow. I believe that any comedian that's a real good comedian can get anything. Really? I can't wait till I go on an audition. You don't want that life. I want that money, though. I know, but you don't want the life. And that's the thing why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to confront you about it. <laughs> okay? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Why don't you need bigger dreams? Why can't I just aspire to make people happy with my comedy? Because it's about visualization. Yeah? What do I need to visualize? Well, you, you put, for me, I know what I want. That's the number one thing. I think it's and I think, I think, I think that And I think that, you know, I'm performing in front of people and making them happy is a little vague <laughs> of a dream. And I think it's low. Yeah? Right. So I need to. You got to go higher. 
like visualize like what kind of house you want to live in. Visualize what your life is going to be like or what you want your life to be like. But if you're like a guy, you're a girl with a voice and you're very talented and you're brave on stage. Oh, I think you. that if you had a dream and, a, and you visualize that I'm not I don't believe in manifestation. Well, no, but it's like but it you gives should, you something to work towards exactly. it's in your head. That's what it is. Well, I mean, anything I visualize, though, is like all stand up based. So yeah, I don't. I. Uh, so you never had a dream of like being on a in a movie? I did. But then I, the more I do stand up, the more I'm like, but oh, is it, okay it, but with is this. it a, is it a defense mechanism? Because a lot of guys go like this, like a fear of rejection. Yeah, I don't want to do movies because I just don't want to do them. But no. deep down inside, they don't want to, they don't think they can. No, I don't think so. I mean, like when I first got into stand up, it's because I wanted to be on SNL and I didn't know how to do that. But then the minute I like got my first laugh on stage, I just was like, this makes this this feels right. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I feel like if I wanted to do movies, the weird thing is, is that like I would want, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd want to do comedy movies. I'd want to be like a batshit crazy person. Yeah, there you go. Do that. How do I do that? Take acting classes. Classes. What would you yeah. recommend if you're going to recommend an acting class? Oh, um, I would take some sort of Meisner technique class or some sort okay. of technique class just to get deeper involved in it. But um, oh, you know fine. why? No, I'm just well, then just like, be a st- just just do stand up then. No, I want to do more. But every anything I want to do outside of stand up is with the goal of being able to make it easier for me to do stand up. Does that make sense? The reason why I do I, I like I have I go in on auditions and stuff and the, it's the hope that you know I'll do a project that's going to get on TV or whatever and then it helps all of it helps. Yeah. It's like my intro when people bring me out. He was in Harold and Kumar, he was in Diet Dictator, he was in I Mad TV, that. he's done this, that, right? Curb enthusiasm, whatever. Is it all those things that you do are just so that people can come out yeah. to watch you perform? I guess I just need a clearer goal of those A things. lot of people don't like this. He's just done nothing. Which is dumb because it's like, well, just you came to a comedy show, let me be funny, but you're no, right. No, it's, it's, it's like this. I'd rather see a, a band. I'm okay, let's, let me, it's like there's so many shitty bands out there. Do you want to know that they've opened for someone because it helps their reputation no. or whatever? Think of all the shitty... There's a lot of great garage bands, but there's mostly shitty ones. Yeah. Like just amateur bands. Same. Okay? Yeah. And what are you going to go watch? 300 amateur bands to find one good one? Or when you, when you hear this, this band that's new got signed to 4AD or they got signed to like, um, you know, Sub Pop. Yeah. Right? Then so you go, oh, you. somebody vetted them. So they must be good enough... Right, because I like a lot of bands from 4AD okay. and Sub Pop, right? Yeah. Then um, you go, I'll listen to it. Yeah, you're right. But that's only because they got signed, right? It's like, you know, the reason why there's agents is so that casting directors and producers don't have to see 10,000 so people. So they have someone that vetted them. No, you go to an agent and go, instead of seeing 10,000 people, you have 15 good ones. Yeah, of course. Right? That's why that's all in play. So it's like... I think you know, why, w- why would you not, if you were on The Tonight Show, you did Jimmy Fallon. I would love that. And then you were like reoccurring on, you know, some TV show. Then people go, oh, she must be good. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I'm not, I want to do like The Tonight Show and stuff like that. Like, I'm 100% right. Yeah, I know that you know you're right. Uh, and you're 100% wrong. Okay, that's not true. I think you are in this. You think s- I'm, I, well, I'm not saying that I'm right. So... I can't yeah, be but why are you wrong. being argumentative about I'm it? I'm just trying to figure things out, Bobby. 
Uh, How long have you been doing stand-up? Like six and a half years. I'm telling you right now, Jessica, right? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Jessica, right? No. Michelle Singleton says? Yeah. Michelle Singleton says? Yeah, yeah, um, Like when I was, I was with Kyle, maybe Billy Bonnell, some other young guys that opened for me, and I asked Sandy Danto, uh-huh. I asked, who's a girl that I can bring on on the road? And everyone said, Jessica Michelle Singleton. Really? Yeah. And I go, oh, yeah. But if that didn't happen, I would never bring you on the road just because I know you. Yeah, no. You had to have references, right? Yeah. Well, then. Well, then I have those references. I mean, no, here's the thing. Ugh. I guess it's like hard for me to verbalize. I don't know. Like, I, I would like to do any type of acting just with the goal of doing more stand-up. Right. I don't... I, I feel like the fact that I'm not clear about this is probably why I still don't have representation because I'm like, I don't know. I always like to make people laugh. Um, you don't know what it's like when people go, oh, my God, I saw you in this. I do, and I go, that's not me. <laughs> I know, but what I'm saying, for real, though, if that happened... Yeah. It would, it would, it would help your confidence out. Would it? Yeah, and you would you would feel more like a star. I think I have identity issues, which makes me uncomfortable yeah. with the idea of being a star. I think that's what it is. That's, that's why I, I asked you about your thing. my daddy, your daddy issues, and you being abandoned and all that stuff. That's the stuff that you should work that stuff out. I am. I'm currently working it out. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I'm going to go to sliding scale therapy because comedy doesn't pay that well. Buy my album, you guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do Asians go to therapy? Why would you ask that? <laughs> We're humans. Just to make you get angry. You want me? To, you want to get me? You, want me, you like it when I get angry? <laughs> no. Oh uh, yeah, I'll get I'm angry. Afraid. Are you afraid of me? No. Oh. Not not you per se. I'm just afraid of everything in general. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I'm in AA, so. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of therapy. Well, I just feel like there's things like uh, culturally that like therapy is like okay for some families, and then some yeah, people look at it as like a though. stigma. I know. You do? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Oh. I mean, you have to understand that I, just hear me out. I grew up in Minnesota and then San Diego. And I lived in San Diego pretty much all my life. Yeah. And I've had, um, white, I grew up with white people. Yeah. How many people do to you what I just did where I was like, you know, what what You're the first in years. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just so you know, that's just how the podcast is supposed to be. It's not I understand that. I like it. No, no, no. I'm not going to. Keep asking stuff like that. Yeah. Have give, me you another, uh, uh, give me another awkward Asian question. Are Asians racist? We're probably the most racist people in the world. Is it more against other types of Asians or yeah. against non-Asians? Yeah. Or both? Against probably more other Asians. What upsets your parents more? The fact that you went to comedy or that you date white people? <laughs> they don't care about the white people. Yeah. Because my dad thought I was gay. Uh, that's, I feel like that's a big advantage for men in uh, any family where like normally race would be an issue. If their parents think they're gay, they're just so thankful. I dated an Indian guy once that like when his parents finally found out he was dating me, his mom's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. We thought you were gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's, he's like, oh, what a weird relief. <laughs> yeah. I don't think my parents have never had, because you know, it's, uh, it's funny, you, you school your parents, right? Like my, my brother and I, you know, when they were, y- my parents were younger and they were young parents. Yeah. Obviously, they had their own ideas about parenting the world and the, and the parenting yeah. and, and life. 
but they had my brother, two crazy kids who are very liberal and open. Yeah, so you're and we've never had any kind of religion in our lives or whatever. So wow. it's like, and I've always had a tendency of just being an open person. Yeah. You know? Like just, oh yeah, he's a gay guy. Who cares? Yeah. Black guy, great. who cares? Whatever, you know? And so like when, like I know some um, Asian parents that voted for like McCain when McCain ran against uh, uh, Obama. And that was because. But it's because of, but like my parents voted for Obama. Yeah, you think Why? you helped them? I d- like no, see? I just said you're not voting for anybody else but them. So you threatened so they did your it. parents. They did it. No, yeah, but we, you conditioned them. You conditioned them. You threatened them. Well, I, I, I have a belief. Like I a, have a belief, a and I, and I, I have a belief, and I, and I believe, and and I, I, I relay that information to my parents, and it's like, and I'm they gonna, hear it, yeah, and they go, oh, that makes sense, and then you change them over the years. Oh, my mom just goes, let's not talk about politics. And she keeps sharing Trump memes. Uh, <laughs> she loves she loves Trump. Uh, I don't know if she lo- she loves him. She's like, you know, if it was between him and Bernie, I wouldn't vote for Trump. But I just can't. She's one of those women who was like, I just can't vote for Hillary, which was sad. A lot of people were like that. Yeah. Yeah. a lot, And it's really just I just I don't understand. Did your parents vote for Hillary? Yeah, I don't understand what that whole thing is about i i I don't know people generally that think that way and um i know two comics i'm not going to name who they are who voted for him really are they really rich they're big comics so they would it was money i bet maybe but i mean it's like for me having trump is going to probably benefit me because i make pretty good money yeah and you get a tax break but like you think of people you think the bigger picture it's not that. It's just that I, you know, because I have Muslim friends, because yeah. I, I know that the terrorists in 9-11 were all funded by Saudi Arabia yeah. and not the seven countries that, you know, Trump that, that Trump is banning. You know what I mean? That he it's doesn't like do I, I, <laughs> I, I know that these terrorists are extreme extremist groups. Yes. Right. And that's not the it's mentality not of regular... Of- Muslims and you know I believe in gay rights I believe that gay people are being that are born that way I believe in women's rights yeah I believe in people's rights and people's freedoms in that way yeah and so I can never be a conservative because I don't believe in trickle-down economics because I believe that rich people hoard the money yeah and it doesn't help anybody it doesn't help anybody so I just I'm generally always be a liberal, liberal guy because I don't know anything else, you know? Yeah. Well, it also just like, I mean, it makes sense. But there's some people who live in whatever reality they live in that they grew up in that for some reason the other thing makes sense, whether it's But it fear doesn't make any ignorance. sense to me. I mean, there's, no, there's never an argument to me where I go, oh, I see it your way. I, don't, I just don't see it their way. I think that with conservatives and also, I, I mean, I think I tweeted something about this, but like... I think there's something to be said about the emphasis on materialism and money in American culture where it's like part of status is having money or like appearing to have money. And there's people who are so obsessed with that that they would be would would rather be thought a racist than risk having people know that they're poor so that it's like they feel like, oh, people vote for the idea that they have of themselves. I think with conservatives, it's like these poor people voting against their own interests, but they want to be like, I don't need help from the government. I'm f- 
Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also, ignorance. But it's also a lot of them, like, I was on Twitter today. A lot of Ugh. Christian people are like, Trump fans, it's like, he said out loud that as a celebrity, it's all right to grab women's pussies. I don't understand how that... How anyone with a woman in their life can be okay voting for someone. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't understand it, but, you know... They do what they do, and I'll never understand it. Well, and there's still men who see women as, like, property. And well, like I, f- I view that to be true for me, my, my life. Shut the fuck up. Fuck you, man. How, uh, wait, are, were your parents born in America, too? How far, what generation? They're Egyptian. Yes, they were born in Korea. That's, I asked if they were born in America. And you no, they're, they have accents. You see my act? Yeah, I don't know, I, but it could be an act. No, I don't lie in my act. <laughs> I don't lie in my act. So when did they? Do you know when they came over? Yes, uh, they're my parents. What? The late sixties. I don't know everything about the my late sixties. Late sixties. Yeah. Do you? Do you um, I feel bad for you because you don't know much about your parents. Yeah. See, I'm learning about other people's parents to cope. Yeah. My parents were. Um, my parents met here. Yeah. They met in Los Angeles, and um, <sighs> my mom didn't like my dad, so she moved. Away. He was stalking her. And that was okay back then, by the way. Isn't yeah. that well, weird? Well, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, but it's also, they're like midget Koreans. So who else are they going to date? Uh, so then my a dad midget Korean woman could date a very powerful Jewish man. <laughs> Maybe. But then my mom moved to Wisconsin, and then my dad <laughs> followed her there. That's love. If someone's going to go to Wisconsin yeah. for you. And he came to places. the door with a steak. A steak? Yeah, because I bought you a steak. And she goes, all right, I'll give you another shot. And then a man of my dreams. They, a steak. They Fuck got flowers. married, had me, and then my dad punched my mom's tooth out. Why? When I was because uh, you were such eight a bad or nine kid, years old. No, you my dad was violent. Oh, was he? He was just always like that. He he was a violent man, and I um, I I just remember being running from him in horror all the time. Yeah, I didn't really. It wasn't one of those things like dad's home. It was like a tense, like oh no, dad's home. Yeah, at times he would be like, I love you and whatnot. And as kids, kids, he was fine. But it was just, you know, toward, you know, you turn 11, you know what I mean? Preteen, adolescent. Yeah, and it was, he was, um, but then at, when I graduated from high school is when I got closer to him. Yeah. As he get, got older, he softened. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think also, like, there's something to be said, and I'm just drawing from my own awkward experience, but like. There's something to be said about not living under the same roof as your parents as far as, like, getting emotionally closer to them. No, I, I lived I, – I, when I graduated from high school, I stayed home for, like, three years. Oh, okay. <laughs> just because I wanted to help my parents out. I got sober, and I just yeah. kind of, like, stuck around. I, I drove my brother to his, like, wrestling meets. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. He had a job, it's you know what I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, but um, – and then um, when I was 23 – I started doing stand-up. What were you on the path to do before that? Like, what were you working on? Well, the the motivation to do stand-up was always... It was my only out, really, because when I was that young, I, I didn't go to college. I was working at, like, coffee shops and, like, restaurants and stuff. Yeah. And then you just kind of think, is this going to be my life? It's just, like, this like coffee shop guy yeah and then luckily the well the first thing that happened was i worked at a coffee shop called disc cafe 
And um, this girl, Rebecca, worked there, this blonde girl. Yeah. And she was dating a guy named Michael Carano. Oh. Now, Michael Carano works for the improvs. He does. You know Michael? No. Yeah, yeah. He's a comedian? No, he, he works he there. Works He's like in the, in the, corporate, in the corporate end okay. of, the, of the improv. But at the time, Michael Carano was managing the improv that was in San Diego. I didn't even know there was an improv. There, there. was one in Pacific Beach. Oh, wow. And um, he used to manage it with Dave Becky. You know oh, Dave I know Becky? Dave, yeah. Yeah, big manager. So big Dave, Dave Becky and Mike Carano used to manage the Pacific Beach improv in the late 90s. Oh, that's crazy. So then in, in not late 90s, late 80s, I mean. Uh, okay. Late 80s, I mean. I was like, wow, Dave late Becky 80s. was a comedy club manager? Yeah, in the 80s. And then what happened was... Um, I met Rebecca, and then she would go, hey, let's go to the, my boyfriend runs the improv, let's go. And I was like 20 years old. You're like, okay. So I'm like, all right. So I would, we would, I would go see Bobcats go with, Brian Regan, oh, Chris wow. Rock, all these guys, David Spade That's when they were so younger, cool. and Tom Rhodes I met back then. Um, and then I remember going, oh, my God, that would be the coolest thing. But That's so crazy. But I never thought that I could do it. But this cafe was next door to the comedy store in La Jolla. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, one day, I was there for a couple of years, and then one day, this cafe closed. And I go, I don't know what to do. So I went next door to the comedy store. Oh. And I got a bar back job. Oh. And then I um, started working as a bar back, and then I w- watched the open mics on Sundays. Oh, Yeah. And then and you're like, I want to do that. No, I think it was more like, I gotta try it. Was it kind of like I could do that? Like, there? I don't even know if it was that because I did some improv classes too. I've yeah. always been, I've always leaned toward, you know, comedy in weird ways. Like, yeah. I wanted to do sketch and stuff, but I dabbled my feet in it by taking classes and stuff. Yeah. But um, but then what happened was I saw open mic. I went up. And they were like, you were terrible. <laughs> and then I went up the next Sunday. And I just kept going up. And they're like, this guy just won't quit. And then I would do other nights. Yeah. And then I bought nine months in, Pauly saw me at the open mic. Oh, wow. Yeah. In La Jolla. Yeah. So he was just down there. He was down there one night. And then he told the manager at the time, how long has that guy been doing it? And the manager's like, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And she's, he's like, he's not. He saw the magic. He didn't even see magic. They were just, he goes, he goes, did, there's something about you, did, right? So he contacted Fred and said, he was living, in, obviously, in L.A. And he goes, did, I'm, I'm doing Vegas. Can that little ching chong, like, whatever, he open for something. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So then, uh, next thing I know, you're opening for Polly Short. In I'm Vegas. opening for Polly in Vegas, which is crazy. What was crazy about it was, um, and that's like when Polly was like huge. Like, it was like five thousand seats, like biodome. So imagine doing like open mics for six y- months, for nine months, in front of like ten people, and then all of a sudden, and the next thing you do is a five thousand seat theater. Yeah, Did but you it, was we- it was it was he goes just do five. <laughs> and I go, all right. And then Wild Willie Parsons featured. Wild Willie Parsons. You know him? I just know his name yeah, on the yeah, wall. Yeah, Wild Willie Parsons. <laughs> I haven't seen him. Featured. And then um, 
But Mitzi was there. So she saw you. Well, this is what happened. So then he goes, my mom's here. And I mean, I mean, as a kid, I have no money. This is my first thing I've ever done that was relative. I mean, it's life changing. Oh, no, of course. Like, that's so because you don't know most you, trajectories of comedy. Yeah, you don't like, know. I guess this is how it happens. Yeah. And so I went up and I remember after the show, I was in the back while Polly was on. And then I just feel a tug on my shirt. Uh oh. And to my right was Mitzi. Hey. And she goes, hey, <laughs> you're a paid regular. Oh, my God. That's how I got passed. Was just Mitzi going, you're a paid regular. Yeah. I had to showcase. I know. <sighs> and then um, two weeks after that, I met the other guy that changed my life. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ <laughs> and um, Carlos Mencia. Oh, wow. So so after Ugh. the poly thing, I then I got a... Sh- so every Saturday at the La Jolla Comedy Store, I was living down there. Yeah. I got to host one of the... Shows. Shows. That's great. Was it a more money back, back then? No money. But no. the rule back then is if you work the door at the comedy store, you get to MC. That's great. Which is a great and one of the shows. So you had two doormen. You could either switch out. So the nights that I would do a Saturday night, it was me and this older guy named Stan Simmons. Oh. And Carlos Mencia headlined one weekend. Wow. And his manager was there, Worthy Patterson. Oh, wow. This is two weeks after the fucking Polly thing. Jesus. And then Carlos goes, hey, bro, you want to do the road? So I was like, what the fuck? Fuck yeah. You're like, what's happening? But then I stayed in San Diego for a couple more years. And then when I moved to L.A., it was three very terrible years. Oh, because you got that nice little like taste. And you think, I'm going to L.A. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I gonna literally see. showed up. I mean, you, you know, she said I was a paid regular, right? Yeah. But as soon as I made it to L.A., it was known to me that I was a, I was a doorman. You were a doorman. And I wasn't going to get a spot. Oh, that sucks. And um, so what you would do back then is work the door, and then you would get fallout spots. So if, if you're a paid regular and you work the door, anyone that didn't show up for the regular lineup, you, you got to go up. You were like first dibs. So you would wish that, like, you know, Dice would get in a car accident. <laughs> you'd you know just I mean? be or, wishing Yeah, I hope Arsenio Hall dies. <laughs> you know? I hope something terrible happens so I can yeah, go up. Yeah, and then I would do open mics around town. And then, um, and then one night... Oh, this is what happened. So then I... Is this boring? No, this is very fascinating. That's, a, that's why I'm quiet. It's because I'm actually listening. Don't be bored. I'm not bored. This is amazing. But then this is what happened. I... There oh, was a fallout. No, no, no. What Jade happened Jade couldn't come. No. Jade wasn't even alive then. <laughs> um, when I was in San Diego, I did Make Me Laugh. Oh, my God. I grew up on that show. Okay. Not to, like... So that's how I got my new manager, Abby. So then when I was a doorman at the comedy store in L.A., um, Abby would send people out to see me. Oh, that's great. That didn't even tell me. That's that's the best case scenario, though. I, I would rather not know someone's there. Me too. I've always had my best I interactions when someone's like, hey, they're in the audience and I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I hate it. She knows me. She knows that if I... I'm if, an idiot if I know you're if there. If there's a showcase, that I'm going to eat it. Yeah, no, I'm like, oh, good to be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah those oh. are the worst. <laughs> so I guess she had like the Tonight Show come see me a couple times when I didn't know and then... That's great. I was working the door, and then they came up to me, Bob and Ross, and they go, "We want you to the Tonight Show." And I go, "I was working. I was like working the door." You're like I'm a door guy. And then, then I auditioned for Mad. I hadn't done the Tonight Show yet. Then I auditioned them for Mad. They gave me the confidence, and 
my manager, Abby, was managed one of the producers of Mad. Oh, wow. So I got in, I got the show, and then I got the Tonight Show, and then I got some this other things. And yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then that's when it happened, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And people are like, this Asian guy. <laughs> just kidding. I was just trying to bring it back. Are you a hero in Korea? No one knows of me in Korea. No. When's the last time Why you went? Why would you say something like that? That's, that's a the fucking show. crazy. The show is called Ignorance is Blessed. Oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. me being an idiot. Oh, really? <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I I did. There was, this, there was a musical group, a, a female pop group called the Wonder Girls. The Wonder Girls. And they they flew me out there <laughs> and to be in their music video. Yeah, didn't they put you on? They like. Yeah, and so they, they set me up right, but. But by me going to Korea, you realize that nobody knew who the fuck I am. You're like, you're not a K-pop star. We don't... No, even like anywhere, like even the people behind the scenes, they're like, who the fuck is this American here, you know? That's interesting because it's like, well, then how did they... Well, how, that's interesting that the they still hate like me. They like you, okay. Because a lot of those pop groups, K-pop groups, they're not um, Korean. They're oh. Korean people that live in Canada. Oh, they're like... Right, they're from all over the world. Like outsourced Koreans, right? Outsourced Koreans. Fake so Koreans. some of them liked me, and then they, they were like, "Yeah." Here. So, but you know. But you go. You have you ever performed over there? No. No. I can't perform really anywhere because I'm so dirty. Really, I performed in Korea. You did? Yeah. How? I don't know. I you were out there with your mom. I went and visited her, and then I set up a show there with some like local stand-up group. I did like a. Small bar type of. Was it fun? It was cool. It's like they have like a local scene and they did like just like 5,000 won at the upstairs of this like restaurant. But like it packed out. It was a great crowd. I mean, it's all expats. It wasn't like Korean people. I can't imagine how awful I would have felt after a set of people who don't speak English staring at me. I, I performed once in uh, Switzerland and it was like a nightmare. They all like stared at me like I was a crazy oh, person. Really? That's yeah, that's actually like what inspired me to get this tattoo is like. I performed in Switzerland twice, and, like, the first time, I was like, it's Europe. I'm going to do all my dirty stuff. They're going to love it. They talk about sex over there. The Swiss people were sitting in the front right in front of me, and they just stared at me. But then there were a group of African comedians who were also there for this festival, and yeah. they were dying. Cause yeah. Because, like, women don't talk about stuff like that in our country. Yeah, so, yeah. So I ended up, I'm actually going to a, a South African festival this year because oh, cool. of that. I but went like, to, what, I did that South African festival. Johannesburg? Yeah. Last year? No, I or did it, like, five years ago. How was it? Amazing. I mean, it's just, I, I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm getting enough money. You're paying me anything? Yeah, yeah, and I get yeah. To, like, experience it was a great a experience. I did it with uh, Ian Bag, Orny Adams, Pablo Francisco, Trevor Noah. Oh, that's amazing. It was great. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I did, um, Ahmed Ahmed flew me to the Middle East. How was that? With um, Eric Griffin and Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, man. And as soon as I landed, I realized I have to open. You're like, oh because God. they gave me a list of things I can't talk about. And so I had two jokes left. Oh, fuck. It was crazy. I don't think I could even perform over there. Yeah, you can't. Probably not it's women, crazy. right? Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. Was it? That's, it's interesting because it, it kind of forces you to learn like what you have that's universal. I didn't know how much of the stuff I had at that time was purely shock value. Like I was like, yeah, it's like shocking, but it's also like an actual joke. And I was like... Oh no! I, they're just laughing because I say asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought it was poignant. Yeah, <laughs> I've never been one to edit my shit. No, I mean, I don't like. I mean, I spent a full year, and granted, I haven't been doing it that long, but there was like a full year, probably two years in, where I was like, I'm gonna purposely not write dirty, just because I know I have the capability and I want to have that material. 
And for a while, I was, like, censoring myself on stage. And, like, the, even the first time I showcased at the comedy store, I was like, well, let me do, like, a... For whatever reason, I thought, I'll, I'll try to do, like, a TV sh- type of <laughs> yeah, yeah, set. Yeah. And then and I think I kind of did the second t- the same thing the second time. And then this last time, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be me. And it's like, I can work clean. But, like, who I am is, like, dirty and fucking weird. So I, I just dress into it. And I do exactly who I am. If I don't... If I dress... Even auditions, if I dress like the part, I never get it. You know what? Yesterday on stage, I wore a dress. I sometimes I like to dress up. Yeah, but you I look feel weird like last night. It it makes me weird on stage. Why did you do that? I don't know. Cause you I should have worn this. Because I just want to fucking. Sometimes you want to dress up, you know, and then you realize yeah. this isn't working. Yeah. I don't have a like a look either, and I think I should yeah, commit you to do. something. What is it? It's crazy just white lady. <laughs> I'm the <a, laughs> crazy white lady. Um. Man, I don't know if I have any more Asian questions. You don't because you don't have your list anymore. And tiny we did an penis. hour. We you have a tiny penis. Why? You can't drive. Are you, which I of those drive are true? Great. So you so you avoided the tiny penis question. <laughs> no, my 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 penis is relative to my size. Tiny. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean I'm a small guy, so I'm, I'm I have a small I have a penis that's relative to my fucking size. I'm not judging you. Why are you I'm getting saying angry about that? It? I like, don't when care. people used to say that when you're growing up. You're like, that's ridiculous. You're like, yeah, but Yao Ming doesn't have a small penis. Oh, he's probably got like an arm. But yeah. what if he does? What if like you saw Yao Ming make it and he has your penis? I would probably kill him. <laughs> like, don't like, you yeah, ever yeah, no show way. anyone? No, but it's you know, proportioned to your size. And like, you know, one day uh, I go to the spa in Korean Koreatown. Spas? Yeah, in Koreatown. Oh, I love Korean spas. And it's, but it's a one that's not advertised. It's like in a back alley and you have to know it's there. There's no sign. I want to know. Is it just men? All men. They have a women's section. And there's or a no? guy, no more women's section. Ah, and there's damn. a guy that owns the spa. Yeah. This cr- old Korean dude. Yeah. And I've been going there for 20 years. Uh, Polly goes there sometimes. People Polly? go there. Yeah, yeah. Is it called Kumsamnidat? No, it's called Hyundai Spa. <laughs> Wait, the maker of the car? Yeah, it's on <laughs> 6th Street in Ardmore. I'll be there. And um, the guy that owns it, he's always in the steam room. He has a nine f- inch penis. Like just a giant monster. N- non hard. He just stands there and his long, his thick Korean dick. He just like stares. Yeah, and I, I, as soon as I saw him the first time twenty years ago, I go, "Yep, that's not a. There's no way." You're like, "That's the owner." <laughs> that's the owner, and also that's not a, a real thing. You think it's an implant? No, his dick is a real thing, but oh. the stereotype is false. Oh, that the stereotype. <laughs> I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, "Wait, yeah. what?" Do you think he even owns it, or like whoever owns it just gave it to him when he came with his dick out? They're like, "That's your place now." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> They're just like, oh, you, 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 yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you're nine <laughs> more inches than mine. You can go to heaven. I quit. <laughs> well, that's an hour. That's a good. I think that we're, we're good. We covered everything. Yeah. I snuck in the driving and penis stuff at the end. Yeah. Um, we learned uh, that you are crazy and I have a low self-esteem. Yeah, Any, yeah. Anything you want to plug? No. No? All right. Well, you guys. <laughs> I want to plug Tiger Belly. Who's, who's he? <laughs> okay. I have a podcast called Tiger Belly. It's great. You guys should listen. It's amazing. You're, you're going to cut that part out. No, I'm not. Why would you, I cut that out? If you do, we'll ha- you'll have another thing coming. Yeah, yeah that big nine-inch Korean man's ding-dong no, when I show up I'll at 6th and Ardmore. I'll break your fucking ankles. What if next time you show but up there? Look at the way your, your foot curls like that. That's weird. I have arthritis. My body's going to... I'm going to crunch down. I'm going to become is that a really, Is that really what it's happens? It's just bent. Is it really fucked up? I yeah, yeah. The way you curled it looked so weird. Oh, yeah. You have arthritis? You crunch. Uh, like, I'm going to become like a pretzel that sits in a wheelchair. My boyfriend said he'll carry me on stage in one of those Wait, baby wh- How old was, is that going to happen? There's no way to tell. It could uh, I, I could. It could not happen for a long time, but it could suddenly rapidly start killing me. You're going to take medication. 
yeah, well, I need more money. I need to get, I need to act. And but then that's why I'm saying it's like you need money to survive, baby. Okay, so how do I, what do I do? You got to have a dream. I have a dream. I don't think you do. I do. I want to host a late night talk show. Then that's it. Visualize that. Okay. Bobby Lee has abandoned me just like my father. And uh, that's the end of our podcast, you guys. Uh, I love you. And I'll see you next time. Hear you. Uh, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.